Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that we love bringing this content to you for free and we want to keep going. Your support helps make that happen. So please go hit that subscribe button today. It really makes a difference. Okay, on to the episode. If it were up to us, we'd probably choose to spend every minute with our pets, but life often gets in the way. Whether it's work, school, or just the everyday minutia of life, we are constantly being pulled in different directions that can take us away from our pets. This is the situation that NFL star Marquan McCall experiences on a daily basis. Marquan has three American bullies, Honey, Ace, and a new puppy, Apollo. And while he wishes he could be with them more, the reality is that it's hard to find the time with a packed NFL schedule. It's very hard, you know, especially like during season. You know, you really get to see him like twice a day, maybe during the season. If that though, you know, because you got meetings. So this is how it goes. Like I'll see him in the morning, take him out, go to work, come home, play with him for a few hours, you know, and then it's time to go to bed. So it's really, you only get a couple hours with him a day. So it's very frustrating, but I just try to like maximize the time that I do get with him. When Marquan isn't home, he relies on his family to spend time with the pups. And he also uses dog sitters and walkers to make sure that all his pets are getting the exercise they need when the family is away. But Marquan is still all in on doing the hard work of being a devoted pet parent, including working through some training issues with Apollo. I think I just love the excitement that they bring. I just love taking care of them. I love just being around them. I love that they could communicate differently. It's crazy to me. I just love it. I do. Even still, whether it's with training, the expensive sitters, or dealing with the stigma of a bully breed, for someone with a busy life, these can be major obstacles. So what are some resources or strategies we can use to handle these challenges? When we come back, I'll get the answers from our resident expert, Eric Wiese, a certified trainer and the host of Lucky Dog on CBS. Stay with us. While training my puppy Teddy, I've been using a few kinds of treats. By far, his favorites are blue sizzlers. These bacon-style treats are made with real USA pork as the first ingredient, and wow, does Teddy love them. And I do too, because they're easy to tear into small pieces for training. If you're looking to up your treat game, get blue sizzlers wherever you buy pet treats. And don't forget to download the Buddies app to earn points on your purchases. Eric... Welcome back to Life with Pets. So excited to talk to you again. Thank you, Hillary. I'm happy to be here. So today we're going to talk about what it's like to be a busy person and have a pet, a couple pets. We just heard a story from Marquand McCall, an NFL player. He's got three American bullies, including a new puppy. There was a lot going on at his house and he's a busy person himself. So he's trying to deal with training a puppy and then training himself to play in the NFL. So it's, it's hard for him. Now, I know most of our listeners are not in the NFL, but we're busy in our own ways. So I'd love to get your perspective on just what it's like to deal with a pet generally as a busy person. Yeah, it can create a lot of issues sometimes. In fact, a lot of our clients that call in will let us know that they're seeing either hyperactivity, separation anxiety, uh, dogs that have become destructive because their human is just not there all of the time. So it's pretty common to have a busy schedule, but it's also really important to take note of what type of pet parent do you want to be. And if you are in the market to adopt a dog or you're going to be getting a new puppy, 
really take a look at your schedule, take a look at your resources, whether you have uh, extra financials to hire a dog walker or extra staff to come by and play with your dog, or if you have the resource of family members or friends that are nearby that can help kind of, you know, be the village to raise that puppy, so to speak. I think uh, that could be really helpful as well. Yeah, definitely. Those are all things that I want to touch on a little bit in this episode. And one of the first things is, okay, you're thinking about getting a new puppy, a new pet. Maybe you work at home, maybe you don't work at home. How could, how should people be thinking about what is the right pet for me? What is the right breed for me? Should I get a puppy? Should I invest in an older dog? How should people start thinking about that based on their schedules? Sure. So I think it's important to take note of your family dynamics. So are you a person that has a family? Are you single, living by yourself in an apartment? Do you have a home? Do you have a yard? Those will kind of indicate what type of breed that I would kind of guide you towards. And to be honest, some people just have the schedule that doesn't really allow for a dog in their life. And I know that's really sad to hear, but if you're someone that works 12, 13, 14 hours a day, and you don't really get weekends off either, and you're kind of in that entrepreneurial grind, a dog may not suit your lifestyle at the moment. Doesn't mean that it can in the future, but maybe not at the moment. So it's really, I would say, important to ask yourself those hard questions. You know, am I ready to bring this dog into my life? And should I? Uh, Those are great questions to ask ourselves. But if you're someone that is really active and you spend your days outdoors and you love to explore on the weekends, you may want to look for a more active breed. What are some of the breeds and obviously there's thousands of breeds we could go through, but what mm-hmm. are some of the recommendations that you give if you're, okay, I'm single, I work from home, but I have an apartment or I don't have a big yard. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's really interesting, especially when you go into the shelters, because there's going to be a lot of mixed breeds. So yeah. if you're someone who lives in an apartment, but you're very active and you want your dog to partake in those activities, so let's say you go on hikes and stuff like that, you're going to want to look for maybe a medium-sized breed dog. Sometimes you can find a mix with retriever, uh, really good companions that love to go on hikes with you. And of course, you're always going to want to ask your veterinarian if your dog that you adopt is going to be healthy enough for those activities, regardless right. of the breed. But that being said, if you're looking for a more active dog, retrievers can be really great. Uh, They can be great companions in your home and they can be great to take on those hikes. I usually try to steer people away from more of a snub nose breed, uh, Mm -hmm. like an English bulldog, for instance. So if you live a really active lifestyle, you're not going to necessarily bring your English bulldog on longer hikes with you. So (laughs) those are things to consider when selecting a breed. And what about if you want a more chill dog, so a dog that, you know, doesn't need to be running around chasing a ball 12 hours a day? <laughs> sure. Yeah. If you're looking for a lap dog, you can simply go for, you know, a Maltese or you can look for Maltipoos. You know, those are really popular right now just because of their temperament. And they do love just to kind of hang out in your lap. If you're looking for a larger breed, believe it or not, Great Danes can be amazing apartment dogs. They don't need a terrible amount of exercise, so they do need to be walked just like any other dog, but they'll be happy to sitting on the couch next to you. And as long as they're getting some form of mental stimulation as well, they can be great companions. So if you're looking for that larger dog, but you live in an apartment and you're not that active, sometimes a Great Dane can be a really good fit. You just have to make sure that you're checking 
uh, to see if you can have a dog that big in your apartment complex. <laughs> that is a twist I was not expecting. Yeah, yeah. get a get a great day and why not? Get a not? great day, why not? <laughs> That's awesome. So what about if, okay, you got this pet and your lifestyle changes, you get a new mm-hmm. job, or a lot of us went through the pandemic and you know we went from going to work to working at home to going to work again in a different kind of schedule, maybe it's hybrid, whatever it was. So how do you kind of deal with those lifestyle changes that just naturally happen during yeah. your life? No, and that's a great question. I'm a planner. So mm-hmm. if for instance, I wanna get a dog, let's say it's my first dog that I'm going to get, And I have this great job that allows me to do two days work from home, three days at the office. But I don't know if it's going to be a career or let's say it's going to be career, but unfortunate circumstances happen. You need to make sure that you try to plan for any circumstance. So even if you have the schedule where you don't need to hire a dog walker or you don't have friends or family members living next to you, make sure that you plan for that. So financially, are you capable to hire a dog walker if your schedule does change? Or let's say you know, you're working in the same location for a while, but then you get promoted and you start to travel more. So those are all things to take into consideration too when you're talking about boarding your dog. So you want to make sure that you really start to look at your finances. Unfortunately, dogs are not cheap a lot of times. And whether it be health issues, regular vet visits, or if you're looking to have your dog exercise in certain areas, let's say a dog park and something happens where they're bitten, you know, there's there's a lot of expense that goes along with uh, being a pet parent. So you want to make sure that you can financially afford having this dog. Even if your schedule does change, I would still put some money aside to make sure that that dog can still be taken care of. Yeah, definitely a great tip. And one of the other things I want to talk about on top of like the financial responsibility that you have, this is a a pet that you're hoping is going to become a member of your family, is going to mm-hmm. be your companion. How do you then deal with, okay, I can't be with them 24-7. I do have a life. How do you deal with some of that guilt maybe that you feel if like you got to leave them at home for four or five hours? Yeah. And that's pretty common. And I think it's pretty common to feel guilty too. And it means you just miss your dog and you're you know trying to make sure that you're giving the attention that you feel they deserve. And so when you're going out and parents with children, you know, we have a almost a year and a half old. And so we feel guilty when we go, but we try to make sure that she's in a scenario that she we know she's going to get mental stimulation. She's getting exercise and she's taken care of. We're lucky that we have the grandparents near us where we can mm-hmm. drop our daughter off. But when it comes to a dog, in order to kind of subside some of that guilt before you do leave, make sure that you spend time with your dog, whether that's taking them on a walk or just getting them outside of your environment, spend some time with them, get them some exercise before you do go on that outing, whether it's to dinner and a movie where you're going to be gone for three to four hours. Mm -hmm. And what about, and this is a scenario I'm dealing with kind of right now. Yeah. So since we last talked, my uh, dog Ozzy. He passed away uh, about oh. a month ago, and I'm currently fostering mm-hmm. uh, a puppy. Okay. <laughs> a shelter got in touch with me. They're they're like, oh, this dog, his foster fell through. Mm-hmm. You know, you lost Ozzy. Would you be willing to take in the dog to to foster? And I was like, of course. I'm not going to say no to a puppy who needs a home. Yeah. Of course, I will take the puppy. And I'm lucky. I work from home. I have all this time I can spend with him. But, you know, I I have a life, Uh, you know, I want to go out, uh, see my friends, go out to dinner. So like it's it's one of these things where I'm like, okay, I'm spending all this time with you during the day. 
can I go out to dinner and then come back and then take you out and then go to bed? Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you like make sure that the puppy is like getting all of his puppy energy out? <laughs> sure. And how old is the puppy? He's about 12 weeks old. 12 weeks old. Okay. So they don't need a, a lot of exercise. In fact, you don't want to give them too much exercise. Be, you can harm them in certain ways, just like you can oh, really? harm humans where, you know, you don't want a child to go to the gym and start lifting weights until they get a certain <laughs> yeah. age. So same with puppies. You don't want them getting rigorous exercise because you can damage ligaments and bone growth mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So you want to make sure that your puppy has a designated area. So I typically like to set up a puppy pen and then mm-hmm. put a crate in that puppy pen. So they yeah. have, let's say, uh, eight foot by eight foot, or if you're in a smaller area, at least a five foot by five foot puppy pen. So, you know, having that size and then having a crate inside the puppy pen where they can go and relax where their bedding is. But then they have toys outside. And I typically recommend leaving music on when you do leave and having a drop cam if it's in your budget. Mm -hmm. That way you can check on your puppy if needed. Most likely at 12 weeks of age, they're going to be sleeping when you're gone. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to feel that guilty if they're getting their much needed rest. Puppies at that age need 16 to 18 hours of sleep a day. So it's a lot of sleep. Because I've been feeling bad too. I'm like, oh, he's sleeping again. Does he want to play? Like, am I being neglectful because like I'm not playing with him? Like, what what should I be doing? And then how do I, he always wants, like I've taught him to when he needs to go outside to go sit by the door. Now he just always goes and sits by the door. I'm like, do you actually need to go outside or do you just want to go outside and play? It's like very, it's it's a it's a it's a yeah. whole new exercise for me because I'm used to a 15 year old dog who needed nothing except sure <laughs> yeah no it, exactly and so it could be a little bit of both uh, that's great at 12 weeks that you know your do- puppy is giving you an indication that they want to go outside whether it be to go to the bathroom or play that means that their cognition is improving and they're starting to learn how to communicate with you so that's mm-hmm. actually a really good positive uh, way to look at things when your puppy gives you those signals. But in, in regards to feeling guilty, I mean, you're going to feel guilty. I, I can tell you every, all day long not to feel guilty and it's going <laughs> to happen. But things that you can do. So before you leave, so before you leave to go to dinner, or before you leave to go to work or just an outing, give yourself 15, 20 minutes prior to that outing where it's just designated to your puppy. Put your phone away. Make sure you're not distracted by anything else. You can turn the TV off and actually spend quality time with your puppy you may not feel as guilty if you start to do that and you make it a routine. And so mm-hmm. they'll really enjoy it too. You give them enough mental stimulation and maybe a little bit of physical exercise where they're you know, following you around your environment or if your puppy is old enough and vaccinated, they can walk next to you on leash uh, for a short little walk. But then when you put them in their puppy pen, they still have this space to kind of roam around, chew on toys. And the best thing you can get from your puppy is when you walk out the door they're chewing on something or not even looking at you. That's a really healthy response. And we, as humans, want to say bye to our puppies. And we want to say, we'll miss you. We'll say bye-bye, you know, and we make a big deal out of it. And then it becomes a big deal for our puppies. And that can actually start to create separation anxiety. So the healthiest thing you can do is pick up keys, you know, put a purse on, walk out the door and not say anything to your puppy, having the confidence that you're going to come back. So they just need to build up that confidence that you're going to be back with them. And he's been honestly like, everybody thinks I'm going to wind up keeping this dog because he's actually a very good dog. He's just, he's big. Like he's bigger than my dog ever was. And he's 12 weeks old. (laughs) I'm like, this guy, this guy's going to be gigantic. So that's my only 
concern with him right now, but like he's great. He like he loves his crate. He'll go sleep in there. Like he's just like chill. He doesn't really whine if I just leave the room. He's cool. Mm-hmm. He's a good dog. So yeah, it's just like instilling in that in them that like confidence early on that like it's fine. Everything's cool. I'll be back. You don't have to worry. So that's a good tip. Yeah. Um the the other thing that I want to talk about, so if you are going out for longer periods of time, you do need to get a pet sitter. You do need to take them to a doggy daycare. On top of the financials that you have to think about, what are some of the things that you should be asking those people about like how they're going to care for the dog or what should you be expecting from them? That's my favorite question I think you've asked since we've been doing these podcasts because it's yes. not a yeah, it's not a question that gets asked <laughs> that often is how do you vet your caretakers? And it's really important to make sure that you're not hiring someone that is a layman trainer, for instance. A lot of layman trainers will use methods that are outdated. Uh, They don't have to continue their education. So there's things that are could be unfortunate. Now, you do want to hire someone, though, that's experienced. You don't want to just hire the college student across the street because they need to pick up some extra bucks. You do want to hire a professional to take your dog out because you want to make sure that they know uh, what to do in certain circumstances when you're out. And let's say an off leash dog comes running up to you and your, you know, your dog is on leash with them. How do you handle that situation? So you want to make sure that they know how to handle those properly. You also want to ask how many dogs do you walk at a time? Mm -hmm. Because here in LA, you see the 15 dogs on leash. Yeah. And that's scary to me. That's really scary because what happens if one of those leashes fail? So let's say there's enough tension in one of those leashes and it happens, especially leather leashes. They'll eventually get brittle enough to where they fail. What happens when one of those leashes fails or a dog slips out of a harness and takes off? So how do you deal with the other 14 dogs while one dog is running off? Or if an off-leash dog runs up to your group, how do you handle that? You can't pick up all, you know, 15 dogs. So I prefer to have my dog being the only dog walked when the dog walker takes our dog or pet sitting for that matter. You want to make sure Mm -hmm. that you're asking them, you're not bringing another dog into my home and, you know, so forth. So you want to make sure that when you hire someone, their attention 100% is on your dog and not something else. And what about if you have family members who are mm-hmm. watching the dog and they're, you know, they've been around dogs before, but, you know, they're not experts. Yeah. How can you work with them to make sure that everything's still cool? So making sure that your family is familiar with your dog, and that would be a dog walker too. So if you're actually paying someone to come take care of your dog. You want to make sure that they meet first. And that's actually a red flag. If a dog walker doesn't want to meet your dog and they just want to start dog walking right away, I typically wouldn't hire that person. I would want someone to do a meet and greet first. So they Mm -hmm. come over, they meet your dog. You maybe go on a couple of walks with them first before they start because you want to make sure that your dog is comfortable with that person. And same with family. You want to make sure that your dog knows and trusts that person to go on a walk with because otherwise it can start to create reactivity, uh, so leash reactivity on, you know, when they're on a walk. So those are questions that you want to ask even your family members, you know, how comfortable are you walking dogs? And if they're like, I don't know if I'm really comfortable, but I really want to do you a favor, they may not be the best option. And it's hard to say no to family members, but, you know, sometimes the easiest turns out to be the hardest because if they don't know how to handle a dog on leash and something happens, all of a sudden, you know, your convenience 
just got outweighed by something unfortunate happening. Yeah, especially too, because, you know, your parents want to help. Maybe they're older. What mm-hmm. if they can't handle the dog? They don't have the strength to handle a, a bigger dog. So mm-hmm. that's something that you have to consider. Too. Yeah, and that's a good point. My dog Teddy is going through something right now. What is it, you ask? It's the true blue effect, which is all the benefits your dog could experience from the key ingredients in blue life protection formula. I'm talking healthy coat, strong bones, muscle development, immune system health, great digestion, strong joints, and lots and lots of energy. Try the blue life protection formula now and see if your dog benefits from the true blue effect. So the other thing I want to ask you about is, okay, you want your home, you have uh, time to have a dog, but you're not exactly comfortable with the training aspect of it. How could you think about making sure that your dog is trained properly, even, you know, if, if you're not doing it yourself? So if you're not comfortable doing it, there's so many resources out there where you can find someone to help you. So you can go to the ccpdt.org website and you can find a certified trainer. So it's, it stands for a certified professional dog trainer. Uh, You can find someone that can help you with the basics. If you're dealing with any sort of behavior issues and you want to work on behavior modification, whether it be leash reactivity, separation anxiety, you can go for someone that's in my organization that I belong to. It's the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Either resource, all you do is type in your zip code and you can find the closest trainer to you and then vet them. See who you really vibe with. You know, you don't necessarily have to select one and like, okay, that's the one I'm going with. You can have consultations. We offer consultations all the time where we speak with somebody. They're complimentary for us. I know other people charge, but it really just depends on who you vibe with and getting the right fit for you and your dog. Is there somebody said to me, it's like, oh, you you keep the dog. Just send send him away for a couple of weeks, have uh-huh. him trained and then have him sent back to you. I'm like, I don't know if I would want that to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that can be challenging. Uh, and a lot of people will call us and say, I just want to drop my dog off and get the dog trained. And really what they're asking is, I just need a break. Yeah. And they would love to have their dog trained too, but they're saying, I need a break. And if they need mm-hmm. a break, I understand that. Dogs can be overwhelming, especially puppies when they're going through teething. It can be very overwhelming having a dog, especially if you're busy. So you want to make sure that when you're, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what professional to help you and what service you're looking for, I typically steer clients in the realm of, hey, let's do an in-home session first. If you'd like to do a board and train, we can then help you. But there's so many things that are very specific to environments. So let's say a dog barks at a doorbell. I can't recreate that scenario with their doorbell. Even if I record it, it's not going to sound the same to a dog. And so, or jumping on their furniture, we can work with a dog, you know, not jumping on my furniture, but (laughs) I can't necessarily transfer that in a couple of weeks back to their environment. So that's where in-home sessions would come in. If you're just working on the basics though, if you're working on like our classic cues, sit, stay, down, come, leave it, and then leash walking, we can certainly help somebody work on that and lay down a good foundation in a two-week time frame. We usually send videos to our clients, so they get six videos a day to wow. help them continue the training. So I give tutorials or our staff will give tutorials on how to continue the training. And I think that's really important to give those resources when a dog does return home so their parents can help continue that training that was put down. That's awesome. And then the other thing, too, that goes along with training is 
when you maybe have to go away, right? You're going mm -hmm. on a, a two-week vacation and you have to board the dog. How do you make sure that they maintain all the mm -hmm. things that they've learned and it doesn't slip away from them? Yeah. So it, you want to find a reliable resource with boarding. So a mm -hmm. lot of our clients, we don't take on new clients. We only take on new clients if we're doing that board and train for the basics first. And that's why our company is called Happy Puppy. We typically start with puppies to help mold them into the dog that our clients would like as much as we possibly can uh, within reason. And so when you are leaving your dog, you're like, hey, I'm going out of town for two weeks. This would be a great time for my dog to go to, people like to say a boot camp. I like to steer away from that that term just because it it's, seems more of like a military uh, yeah. comparison. And, and we like to make it more fun uh, for the dog. So we like to say it's a vacation with learning or a vacation with uh, a little bit more mental stimulation or environmental enrichment. And so when you're looking to continue the training, if you select someone that's already boarded your dog and trained your dog, see if that person offers just boarding. Because typically, if it's a trainer watching your dog, they're not going to reinforce unwanted behavior. So like, mm -hmm. for instance, us, when we have a dog that comes in that has already done a board and train program with us, or we've done in-home private training with and they want to board. And if it's a good fit in our scenario, in our setup, we'll typically uh, help them continue the training. We won't actively be working on training, but indirectly, we won't reinforce any unwanted behavior. So mm -hmm. when they come back to you, uh, everything should still be in place uh, in regards to, let's say a dog you know, was jumping and we were teaching a default sit. We'll make sure that if the dog jumps on our staff, that we give them no intention and we don't reinforce that jumping behavior. So when they come in and stay with us or if they come in and stay with another trainer, that's typically what you'll get is they won't reinforce the unwanted behavior. Okay. That is all super helpful information. So the last thing then is if you are going somewhere and you want to bring your pet, what are some of the things you should look out for to know that a place is pet friendly? Yes. So we'll just for sake of argument, say a restaurant. So let's mm -hmm. say you're trying to go to a pet friendly restaurant, making sure the restaurant has a designated area for dogs uh, because the last thing you want is for someone to go into that restaurant and not really be wanting to be around dogs. And so you don't want to make other patrons uncomfortable by bringing your dog into somewhere. It'll make it an unfortunate circumstance for kind of everyone involved. So see if that person, uh, that place has a designated patio for dogs. You want to make sure that they offer water or bring water with you. And you want to make sure that they require dogs to be on leash. You never want the scenario where dogs are kind of running around off leash. And I know some places do that. It's hard to find, but some places do that where the dogs are just cool to be off leash. And unfortunately, not every dog is going to be okay with that. And not every human is going to be okay with that, especially at a restaurant where there's food on tables. So uh, making sure, yes, that the, you know, they have a, a leash rule that the dog has to be on leash. And, and I'm not talking about a dog can be anchored to a post you know, and you're mm -hmm. enjoying your meal, I mean, having a dog on leash with their pet parent. So making sure that they don't allow dogs just to be kind of tied up somewhere where you can enjoy your meal and they have kind of a corner where dogs are. That's a red flag for me. And there's a lot of circumstances that could be unfortunate with that. So we want to make sure that that's not an option either. So yeah, just really vet out the place that you're going, making sure that they have leash rules, uh, and then making sure that your dog is also comfortable going to a 
a scenario like that. Not all dogs are going to be really comfortable going into an environment at a restaurant because when a dog smells food, if they're food insecure or they're insecure in environments like a restaurant, they may start to become anxious because they may think that there could be a predator that may challenge them for that food. So that's where a lot of dogs start to tense up, become reactive because they don't want to be around the food because it attracts other animals and could potentially be a threat for them. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And then lastly, really lastly, if you're a jet setter, right, Mm -hmm. you want to bring your dog with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. How do you prepare them for that kind of a busy schedule? Yeah. So, and that's hard. That's difficult because you can't like take your dog on a fake plane and see how they do. (laughs) You do want to make sure because typically if a dog is going with you in the cabin, they're small enough to fit into a travel case. So you want to make sure that they're trained to go in that case first. Then I like to go to a neighborhood that is by an airport where they can hear the sounds of the jets and you're treating them on leash as you're doing this. Just getting them comfortable in that environment. Also making sure that your dog is comfortable in closed quarters with lots of people because you're going to be in a cabin of a plane where there's lots of people walking by. Your dog is going to be literally inches away from people, you know, walking down the aisle uh, or sitting next to a complete stranger. So your dog needs to be socialized before taking them on a plane. And that's really important. Otherwise, you could have a very, very unfortunate time uh, on that plane ride. And then you also want to make sure too that your dog doesn't get motion sickness. So are, do they travel well in the car? That's something you want to make sure. And then bring a chew that they absolutely love because once that plane starts its descent, it, the pressure is going to change pretty drastically. And yeah. so they need to chew on something to kind of relieve that pressure in their ears. Very similar to us. If you chew gum, it can help you, mm-hmm. you know, relieve that pressure. So you want to make sure they have something to chew on, bring some treats with you, and then making sure that you bring a collapsible water bowl that you can pour water in. You can ask the flight attendants for some water and you can give your dog some water. If it's a really long flight, you want to make sure you have puppy pads in that uh, carrying case in case they need to relieve themselves. Uh, and then you want to make sure that the airports that you're going to map out where they have those designated areas for dogs to relieve themselves. Awesome. Eric, amazing stuff as always. Thank you for coming back and talking us through all of this. As usual, here's the floor. Where can we direct people? Where do you want to point people toward resources? Sure. So if you're looking for a training resource, IAABC.org. So International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants.org. Type in your zip code. You can find a behavior consultant in your area or close to you. You can watch CBS Lucky Dog. Rashi and I, my wife and I, host CBS Lucky Dog Saturday mornings. And so you can catch our show where we rescue dogs from the shelters and find them their forever homes. And then our company is Happy Puppy LA. So we're a resource to offer training, boarding and training, in-home private training. And we just love to offer our neighborhoods uh, the care that we think their puppies or dogs deserve. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Hillary. You've been listening to Life with Pets, the show that combines real pet stories with proven guidance from pet professionals. I'm your host, Hillary Georgie, and I hope this show has been a great resource for you as a pet parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to download the Buddies app. This episode was produced by the team at mission.org.